0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. Uh, Didn't Pastor David Ray do a fantastic job last Sunday just preaching it down? I'm sorry for all the the splotches on the wall. We've got to repaint because he's peeling the paint off the walls every time he preaches. And I'm so thankful for a great team and uh, people who understand the power of God's Word, and we just simply give it as it is. And so uh, today we're kicking off a series. I, I love this. I could not wait to get to this Sunday Um, a series called All the Feels, All the Feels. Now, for some of you, that that terminology may be a little strange. Uh, For those that are younger, my kids are so excited about this. This is kind of their lingo. It's their terminology, All the Feels. We're going to do a series over the next four weeks on feelings and emotions. Somebody say, All the Feels. And we are a culture that is very in touch with its feelings, are we not? In fact, we have a way to express our feelings that has just recently developed. It's called emojis. (laughs) How many of you have a hard time sending a text without including an emoji? Yeah, fellas, I saw some of you raising your hand. Now, I must say that I have, and I'm making a commitment by the grace of God, if you get a text from me, It will not contain an emoji. Ain't going to do it. Now, I may do a little colon with a parenthesis, a little old school smiley face. I had a guy send me a text the other day, and it was a little kissy face. I was like, hey, fist bump is just fine, my man. Come on. But we got happy face. We got sad face. You even got that little pile of smelly stuff if you're not feeling good. You know, you get new emojis all the time, like, oh, great. You know, emojis are a way of expressing our feelings. Um, You know, food is another way that helps us. Come on. Food helps us express how we feel. How many know there are some foods that just make you feel better? And we call those foods, yes, comfort foods. Because we eat them and it's just, there's it's something comfortable about it. How many of you, your comfort food includes somewhere in the context of chocolate or something sweet? Yeah, we were on vacation uh, last week and I was working on my tan, by the way. How'd I do? I know I'm not Denzel Washington, but I'm working on it, baby. So we were away at the beach and, you know, our go to is Krispy Kreme donuts. Rachel calls, Googles the closest Krispy Kreme. It's 20 minutes out of the way. Hey, is the light on? In 20 minutes, we showed up. That light was working. And how many know we felt very comfortable? Yeah, there are foods that, that help us feel better. Even clothes. Clothes are an expression of how we feel. Back in my day, when I was a kid growing up, there were certain brands or certain sizes named like Husky. You know, we've done away with that now. We don't, we don't have Husky. We have loose fit. You know, our, our comfort fit. These are comfort fit jeans right here. You know, I heard some, somebody say, one of the young ladies said the other day, she said, my swimsuit said, you better go to the gym. But my sweatpants said, Nah, girl, you look good. (laughs) Emojis, food, clothes, but perhaps the greatest expression of feelings is music. Music gives our soul a voice, and I think there's probably a song for every feeling, every mood, every emotion under the sun. I mean, when you're in love, when you got that loving feeling, Nothing better than a little Luther Vandross, my love. There's only you in my life. (laughs) Baby, are you feeling that right now? No? (laughs) Or if you're feeling hopeful, you might break out into a little, a whole new world. Oh, man, I'm gonna make that choir one day. They're gonna let me in it. Or maybe you're feeling pumped up, you're going to the gym, nothing like a little look. eye of the tiger. Dun, Hey. You know, people have the earbuds, and they're, they're in a totally different world because they're listening to a song that's producing. A, come on, y'all are laughing at me. But you know it's true. You know, and sometimes songs can bring out emotions in you. You know, I know there's some popular stuff out there right now. You know, like if you're heartbroken, you've just gone through a breakup. You know, on a scale of one to Drake, tell me how sad you are. Maybe you're in a relationship, you're out of a relationship, you break up, get together, break up, get together, break up. I'm sure there's a Taylor Swift song out there for you. (laughs) Back in my day, it was boys to men. Although we've come to the end of the road. Uh, uh, uh. you all feeling me over here. I like it. Oh, yeah. If you're feeling confident, you know, there's some new stuff out, you know. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, going to send the flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. Uh, 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 uh. <clears throat> you're happy. There's a Pharrell song out there. Clap along if you can. If you're angry, about any song from the 90s will do. You're mad at your dad, mad at government, you're mad at the system. You know, there's songs about life if you just feel blessed. God bless the broken road. There's a song for every feeling, and I guess that's what I love perhaps most about the book of Psalms because the Psalms are literally songs. It's poetry. It's music, and it gives our soul a voice. Psalms is the universal language of the human soul, and so we're going to look at some emotions and feelings, and we're going to scroll through the book of Psalms to help us understand how to navigate our feelings, all the feels. Now, I guess probably a baseline before we jump into the text today, and I think this is going to guide us over the next four weeks, something very important that we need to understand about feelings. God designed feelings to be gauges and not guides. They are gauges, but they're not guides. They report to you, but they don't rule over you. Can I have a better amen? Our feelings will help to locate where we are. There's some valuable information when we discover how, and some of you are feeling different ways today. I know in a room this size, and those that are watching at Denim, there are probably hundreds, maybe thousands of different feelings and emotions represented here today. And those emotions will serve as a gauge and will let you know where you are. But they're not a guide that determines how you should act. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 30. Today I want to talk to you, and I think it's an important topic. I want to talk to you about the topic of sadness versus joy. Sadness versus joy. In Psalm chapter 30, now let me give you, as you're turning there, this is a powerful chapter. And listen, I'm going to talk as fast as I can because at the end, I'm going to say everything I need to say up front. But the last five minutes of this message is going to be gold. I'm telling you, I want to get to the end. In fact, I almost want to just go straight to the end. But i got to give you a little context, okay? Psalm chapter 30 is a powerful psalm, but let me give you the story behind this chapter. This song or this poem that was written by David came out of a very painful experience in his life. In fact, you can read in 2 Samuel 24 or 1 Chronicles 21. I'm not gonna, I don't have time to go there, but I just want to tell you what this song, because a lot of times people will write songs based out of experiences in their life. And this was one of David's most painful, sorrowful experiences as a leader in Psalm chapter 30. Now, what had happened, he, he, had, he, he numbered the nation of Israel. How many of you remember that? He, he, he counted all the fighting warriors in Israel and Judah. And he did it out of selfish ambition. He did it out of his own pride. I want to see how strong my army is and how much I have accumulated. And so he, he numbered the people. And the Bible says his conscience began to bother him. And so God was very upset with this selfish, arrogant act. And so God begins to bring punishment. And he literally says, David... Pick your punishment. I'm going to give you three choices. How many of you, when you got in trouble as a kid, your parents gave you options on how you were going to be punished? How many of you had to go in the backyard and pick out your own switch? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pick your poison, so to speak. God says, David, you're going to pick your punishment. What you did was wrong. and, And now you're going to have to suffer the consequences. So I'm going to give you three things. Number one, you can either have famine in the land for three years 3 years of famine he said you could have 3 years of fleeing from your uh, 3 months of fleeing from your enemies or 3 days of plague 3 years of famine 3 months of running from his enemies or 3 days of plague how many of you guessed which one he chose 3 days he said lord 3 days of plague so in 3 days time 70,000 people died one man's sin 70,000 people die. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord was standing at a place called the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And he had his sword extended, headed toward Jerusalem with the intent of destroying the city. And David sees the angel of the Lord, and he knows that he has to do something. He felt such guilt and such remorse. No, 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 don't don't take the life of, of, of all of the citizens of Israel. He said, it was my fault. It was my responsibility. So he makes an arrangement to purchase this piece of property. And he, purchase, he buys it, and he builds an altar, and he offers a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says the plague stops. It's in this experience that David writes this psalm. Now read with me in Psalm chapter 30, starting with verse 1. From sadness to joy, look at what he says. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you've restored my health. You have brought me up from the grave, oh, Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Now, it's interesting to me that out of David's most sorrowful his saddest experience as a leader, one of the most broken places in his life, he starts out by saying, I will exalt the Lord. How is that possible that in the midst of sadness you can say, I will exalt the Lord? The first thing I want you to see is this. Number one, if you're in a place of sadness, remember what the Lord has done. Remember what God has done for you. How was he able to say, I will exalt? Because, watch this, he's remembering the faithfulness of God. Five things. You have rescued me. You've refused to let my enemies triumph over me. You've restored my health. You brought me up from the grave. You've kept me from falling into the pit of death. You see, it's easy to be swallowed up by sadness. And all we can see is the sorrow of today. And we forget the faithfulness of God in our yesterdays. I I think there's some of you that are in a moment, you're in a season right now, and things are dark, and you've battled discouragement, and maybe you can put a smile on the outside, but on the inside, you feel like you're dying. David says, I will exalt the Lord. How in the world do you worship God in the middle of sadness? You remember the faithfulness of God. You remember what God did for you five years ago, five weeks ago, five days ago. That's why I think the the plan of the enemy, especially when we're in sorrow, when we're in sadness, he wants us to lose perspective. He wants us to see the only thing that we see is the darkness in front of us. And David had to reflect to the goodness of God in his past. Hear me, beloved. Remember what the Lord has done for you the things that we sang about even today, the things that we declared about who we are in Christ and how he sees us. He says, I will. Somebody say, I will. I will. Can I tell you, it's a matter of choice. You can't help how you feel, but you have a choice on what you do with those feelings. Have the freedom and permission to feel whichever way you do. Nobody's saying you got to fake yourself out or fake other people out. How many know you're not faking God out? Be honest with where you are, but but don't let your feelings decide where you go. Again, feelings are gauges, but they're not guides. The, The faith of your life is your steering wheel that will guide you. Your feelings are the instrument panel that shows you what's going on. How many know your instrument panel is not going to help you reach your destination? It's the steering wheel that directs you. And and so David is having to call upon the faithfulness of God in his yesterdays. And when you remember God's faithfulness in your yesterday, it can help you praise him today. Look at what he says in verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment. Everybody say a moment but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes when? Mm, Now notice this. The anger of God is for a moment. It is momentary. Weeping lasts only through the night, but guess what? That sun's coming up, and that sun that begins to dawn marks the beginning of a new day. What does that verse tell us about sadness? The second thing I want you to see is this, number two. Sadness is a season. It's only a season. The anger of God was confined to a moment, but the favor of God lasts a lifetime. Now, now let me say this. Let me be quick to say, sadness is a legitimate feeling. And it's important to me as your pastor that you know We make room. We create margin in the Christian experience for sadness. You can't be a healing place for a hurting world and not acknowledge that you'll go through seasons of sadness. I mean, it it, kind of bothers me sometimes that, you know, I think mainstream church, we come across as some happy clappy, sing-song sappy, fake it till you make it, put a smile on your face, but, you know, and we don't even give room for people to be sad. Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a season for everything. There's a, there is a time to mourn. In fact, Paul said we, we mourn with those who mourn. Somebody's sad, we step into their sadness. God forbid we say, you can't be sad. If you're sad, then you don't have enough faith. If you're sad, then you must not be believing God. If you're sad, then there must be sin in your life. How many know that's not true? God created the emotion of sadness, and we have to embrace seasons of sadness. I remember when Alexa was baby in the first grade, and, and she, uh, I, I picked her up from school, brought her home. We pulled up in the driveway, so she gets out. She's kind of bebopping along, we're getting ready to walk inside, and she sees this little shell, this little tiny little shell that was in the flower beds. And so, How I many you know kids will notice things that we're totally oblivious to? Her world stops. She sees this little shell. She said, Dad, look, it's a shell. I, 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 it, it's my brand new pet. Look at my pet. Dad, can I keep her? Can I? And I'm thinking, well, sure, it's probably a low maintenance pet. Um, yeah, well, what's her name? Dad, her name's Charlotte. Charlotte, because Charlotte has a shell. And I just know Charlotte is up in that shell. She's going to stick her head out. I'm telling you, we're going to be the best of friends. She was all excited. If she found this little shell. So we get up into the room, and, you know, it's time for her to lay down and take a nap. And so she got a little piece of toilet paper, put it on the nightstand, put, Char- good night, Charla. Dad, listen, stay right here. And tell if she sticks her head out of that shell, wake me up. Okay, love you, Charla. So she lays down to take a nap. Well, I start looking at that little napkin, that little shell, I'm thinking, there's nothing in there. Bless her heart. She's got her heart set on some little life coming out. And this shell is going to disappoint my daughter. So I kind of looked at that shell, kind of started poking around on it, put a little pressure on it, splat. (laughs) I had Charla guts all over my hand. I'm like, oh, I I just murdered her. I murdered Charla. What am I going to do? I had to hide the evidence. What are we going to do? This little girl, she's going to be mad at me. Alexa wakes up and says, dad, did Charlotte stick her head out of the shell? <laughs> Did she? Oh! She came out of that shell. Woo! Dad, where's Charlotte? And I had to break it down and just say, "Baby, look, I, I put a little pr- Charlotte's not with us anymore." She, what? She was horrified. Dad, you killed Charlotte, Mom! And I'm like, "Baby, baby well, look, do, do you want to have a funeral?" She's like. <laughs> Yes, what's a funeral? (laughs) I said, well, well, we get a chance to say goodbye, say a prayer, sing a song, and then, you know, get a chance to, you know, just give Charlotte to Jesus. Okay. So we went downstairs, got on the piano. I said, what song do you want to sing? Twinkle, twinkle. (laughs) I said a prayer. She said a few beautiful words. The processional led us to the bathroom, and we flushed Charlotte into heaven. Say, Mike, why you share that story? Because I wanted Alexa to know that sometimes life—it's filled with great moments, but then sometimes there are sad moments too. And some of you are here today, and you're in a sad season. Things have happened in your marriage. Things have happened with your children. Some unpredictable things have happened in your finances. You're not in a place where you anticipated being, and there is a dark cloud of sorrow over you. As your pastor, I want you to know, it's okay to be sad, but you can't live within the city limits of sadness forever. Sadness is a season. Come on, can I have a better amen? God's anger lasts for a moment, weeping only through the night, but then there's a thing called joy. There's a thing called favor. Some of you have been living in the city limits of sadness, and God said, you need to put that house up for sale, and you better change your address. It's time to put that place on the market because you've dwelt in sadness long enough, and if you're not careful, your identity will be attached to your sorrow instead of your God. David, in his worst moments, he said, I will exalt the Lord. And then he recognized that the anger of God only lasts for a moment. But, God, I need to find favor again. I can't live in sadness. I've got to live in joy. I've got to find a new place of residence. Are you with me? Look at what it says here in verse 8. David said, I cried out to you. Oh, Lord, I begged. I begged you, the Lord, for mercy, and I said, Lord, what will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me, oh, Lord. How many of you have prayed that prayer a few times in your life? God, hear me. Lord, help me. God, I cry out to you for mercy. The third thing I want you to see is this. If you're in a season of sadness, if you're overcome by sorrow, number three, run to God. Run to the Lord. Where does David take his pain? He takes his pain to a place that only God can heal, and that's the presence of God himself. If you're in a season of sorrow, don't run to other people. Don't run to other things. Run to God. Bring your pain to the one who can heal you of it. You see, the problem is we live in a culture, and pain is for real. Sadness is for real. People don't know what to do with it. So they run to pills, they run to a bottle. They run to a website that has things on it. They jeopardize their marriage. They ruin their relationships, all because there are certain coping mechanisms. I don't know what to do with my pain. I don't know what to do with my sorrow. Or sometimes they blame God for their pain. Please don't blame the only one who can heal you of your pain. i can tell you this. If, if most of our hurt comes through relationships, then a lot of our healing is going to come through relationships too. And God, the source of our healing, will use environments like this to remind you, I'm with you. I'm for you. Now, maybe what happened to you wasn't your fault. Please hear me. There's two things here I want you to see. Maybe what happened to you wasn't your fault, yet you're left holding the bag of of, of bitterness. You're going to have to choose to forgive. You have to forgive some people because your lack of forgiveness doesn't punish them. It only hurts you. Maybe, maybe what you did is exactly your fault. Maybe your sadness is because of your bad choices. You say, well, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to be healed. I'm telling you this. You're going to have to make your peace with God. You're going to have to own it, and you're going to have to move on. You either forgive someone and move on. You either take responsibility for it and move on. But either way, you've got to move on. You see, listen, it doesn't matter how you got there. I don't know how you got to where you are, but it's about figuring the way out. And Jesus said, I am the way. If you'll bring it to me, I can do something about it. I can heal you everywhere you hurt. I can heal you physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. I can touch every part of the pain of your experience and I can bring you great joy. You see, David, what I didn't tell you about that the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. Here, this Jebusite man sees David the king. David wants that piece of property. And Arana says, I'll give it to you. You're my king. In fact, I'll give you the animals to make the sacrifice. And David said, no, 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 no. I'll buy it from you. I won't. It's not an offering to God unless it's a sacrifice to me. And so David had to own it. He spent $500 to purchase this threshing floor so he could build an altar to God so the plague would stop. David knew that his answer was not blaming God but running to God. You know, think about it. If you're in a place of sorrow today, what are you doing with that sorrow? Where are you taking it? It's the difference between Judas and Peter. Can I tell you, both of them failed miserably. Whether you're betraying Jesus or denying Jesus, how many know that's a bad day either way? But look at the outcome of their lives. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Look at the difference in in the outcome of where Judas ended up and where Peter ended up. Peter had the wherewithal to bring his failures to Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, what did he say? Go tell my disciples, but let Peter know. Because the last time that he had laid eyes on Peter, it was in that bitter moment of denial. And Jesus was wanting to redeem that whole experience for Peter. Guess what? If Judas... I'm convinced that if Judas would have brought his guilt and regret to Jesus, that what Jesus did for Peter, Jesus would have done for Judas. But when you don't bring your sadness to God, then you feel like there's no hope to even live. David said, have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. Take your sorrow and your sadness to the Lord. Now here... Here's, here's where I want to end this. Look at verse 11. Here's how he finishes this chapter. Verse 11 he says this, "You have turned somebody say turned? Turn. You have turned my morning into what?" <clears throat> Come on somebody. You have turned my morning into joyful. I can't dance but I can do the Heisman. You've turned my morning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning, and you've clothed me with joy. Why? So that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Notice how this chapter started. I will exalt the Lord. He almost did it in spite of his feelings. Now he's saying, I will exalt you and give you thanks Forever now, it's like there's an overflow of gratitude in David's life. Here's the fourth thing I want you to see, and this is where I want to end this thing. Number four, God can transform sadness into joy. Now this is where this is where we're really going to shout. Okay, here's how this works. I want to give you a little biblical history, and if you can get this revelation, we'll be running all over this church. I want you to see what happens. Now remember. David purchases that threshing floor from the Jebusite man, spends $500, builds an altar, and sacrifices at that very place. Now, let me ask you this. Don't you think every time David walked by that piece of property that he was reminded of his failure? That that place marked the greatest failure, the greatest 70 thousand people died at that place if I'm David I'm thinking man I want to avoid that place I want to try to forget that place that place represents my own selfishness my own pride that place represents pain if 70,000 people died think of all the families that were affected that place served as a reminder of David's greatest failure but watch this God turned that place of David's greatest failure into God's greatest glory watch this Watch this. Who built the temple? David didn't. Solomon did. Where did he build the temple? Second Chronicles 3. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite, the very site that David had selected. Now watch this. This is beautiful. Every time David sees that place, he's got such sorrow. But God says, I will get the greatest glory from this. This place. You see, the temple was where the very presence of God would dwell. Lord, of all the places, why would you choose that place? that piece of property, God, why? He says, I'm gonna blot out, I'm gonna take away the pain, the sadness, the sorrow, and you know what will be remembered here? My name, my pre-. People will travel from all over the world to come to this very place, not to bring guilt or condemnation or shame, but to lift up praise and honor and adoration and glory to God himself. $500 of regret. It's what David purchased that piece of property for. You know what some scholars believe that the, 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 the temple Solomon built? It was filled with such glory, such magnificence, the gold, the silver. You read about the, the glory of Solomon and what he, he extravagantly built this temple. That, that, that some scholars estimate it was worth $174 billion. It's amazing how God can take $500 of regret and turn it into $174 billion of glory. That very place. Oh, wait, one one last thing, one last thing. Remember, it it was the angel of the Lord that had his sword drawn. He was headed to Jerusalem to destroy the city. The Bible says it was the angel of the Lord not an angel of the Lord. Watch this. This is so good. Most people believe that that the angel was not simply a messenger like previous angels, but they believe it was the pre-incarnate Christ. It was Jesus himself. The language in the Hebrew would lead people to believe it wasn't just a messenger, it was the messenger, the Lord Jesus Christ. David says, no, don't take the city I offer myself. Jesus is God's sacrifice. Lord, don't destroy the human race because of sin. I offer myself thousands of years later, Jesus would die on a cross. Think about it. The sorrow of the Father became the joy of the Son. David's sorrow, he was the Father, eventually became the joy of the Son, solemn. When God offered Jesus, the sorrow of the Father eventually became the glory of the Son. You know, yesterday in this building, was a tough day for us. A little five-year-old girl named Addison Teagle, she and her dad and her sister went in a car accident last weekend. And the impact was so severe, she didn't make it. And so all week long, we have just been grieving. Sadness. Trying to understand and make sense. Sometimes there are tragedies that happen we'll just not make sense of. But I saw the courage of Addison's mom and dad. That very place of of sorrow and hurt and pain. Right here in this sanctuary, we did a celebration of her life. In fact, I want you to see her picture. This picture was taken Easter weekend after one of our services. Had a petting zoo for the kids, Easter egg hunts. You know, you were there. That picture was taken, and Addison's holding that little lamb. Yesterday, we talked about how Jesus, the good shepherd, is now holding Addison in his arms. And do you know, do you know, we said, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Do you know? Because her dad was a, uh, he is, he works for law enforcement. And so we had dozens and dozens and dozens of law enforcement represented. I had a guy from Maine talk to me after the service talking about the impact of the service, the ceremony, the presence of God that he felt. Do you know that we had over 20 people give their life to Christ yesterday at that little celebration service? God can turn sadness into joy. Weeping endures for the night, but hear me, beloved, joy comes in the morning. And if you're here today and you're under a cloud of darkness... I believe God has something special for you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.